Well, um, happy Mother's Day uh, to all of you that are here, or Feliz Dia de la Madre. How's that? Uh, for, uh, yeah. I learned today that in Mexico, Mother's Day is always on May the 10th. Always in, in Mexico. Not the rest of Latin America, but Mexico is May 10th. So, so we're going to give a special gift to um, all the moms. If, if you're a mom from Mexico, you don't get one. You already had your things on. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm just, just, just kidding. The very first Mother's Day I, I did here, I did what every single church that I've ever been a part of or ever seen did on, on Mother's Day, and that is you give away, like, special nice gifts to all the youngest mom, the, the youngest mom in church, and you also find the oldest mom, you know, in church, and you, and you, and you, give, you give away a gift. And, you know, would the youngest mom stand, and you'd, you'd figure that one out, and the oldest mom. And, and normally when you, when, you, when you do that, there is a grandma who's visiting from Wichita who's 97 years old and just loves this kind of stuff, you know. Um, so so I, I, I did it. You know, I did the young mom, and we got that all figured out. And, and as I'm starting to do the old mom, I, I realized there was, no, there was no grandma from Wichita in the church. We're talking about 35 people in the church anyway. And, and so I said, well, let's just simply say, if, if we have any moms in their, in their 80s, would you stand? And nobody stood. Or any, any moms in your 70s, please stand. And nobody stood. And any mom in your 60s, please stand. And at that point in time, a, a sense, a vague sense of warning came over me. <laughs> you are headed for death here. <laughs> But I was young, and I was headstrong, and I, I went on. Any, any moms, any women in your 50s here, please stand. And there were, there were two moms that stood up. And I figured, well, how do I figure I'm going to go year by year going up to see which one is actually the oldest. And I was walking through the valley of the shadow. Of death. 51, you know. 52, you know, and the room is dead quiet, and, and finally it hit me that my chance of surviving this is about 3%, and so I said, let's just give gifts to both of these lovely moms, and so we did. Now, I think actually both of those lovely moms are still attending the Methodist church at this time, so. <laughs> a couple cards we have, a couple cute cards for moms. Moms, not all superheroes wear capes, and that's really true. That's what we believe. This is a, a token of affection for you on Mother's Day, an old Mother's Day card. Mother's Day, here's an acronym. Um, mother's many hugs, only love, never anger, teaching me, helping me, um, every smile when I was sad and raising me. And then I love this one, it's not easy being a mother. If it were easy, fathers would do it. <laughs> now, at Mariners, we don't just simply recognize moms today, um, but we want to actually recognize all those special women that are in our, our lives. Uh, some are moms. Um, for some, the mom thing just hasn't happened, you know, to you in, in your life. And so it is a hard, challenging day for you, and we understand that, and we, we recognize that. Some, I, I know, this is a really tough day because your mom passed away this past year, and this is the first year that you can remember that you are not sending someone in your life a, a Mother's Day card. And, and again, we're sorry for this, and we want to support you in this. And we want to say, actually, for all the women that are here, all the, all, all the women that, you know, you are special. You are very special. God gifted you. God has placed you in this community. God placed you in our lives, whether you're a sister or a mother or a grandmother or an aunt or, or just a close friend that, that supports us. And so what I want to do just simply in, in order to um, 
to honor all the, all the women here. I'm going to have all the men stand. Guys, would you stand up, please? Please stand up. And if your wife or mother's here, put your hand on your shoulder, if you would. And, and we're just going just gonna to have you pray um, for your mom or your wife or your sister or your sister in Christ. Would you, would you bow with me, please, and pray? So, Lord, thank you. Thank you for um, the special women that you have placed in our lives and in our world. And um, I pray, God, that we as men would do the very best we can in giving honor to them um, in this. And uh, um, bless them. Bless this day. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, thank you guys. Go ahead and have a seat, if you would, please. There is, for all of, all of you women that are here, whoa, um, there is a special uh, little gift for you. It's a seized truffle. Um, so make sure you grab one on your, on your way out. It's... Uh, it's our contribution to um, your diet. So anyway, if you go, so yeah. <laughs> hey, let's rate this last week. One to ten, with ten being great and one being forget about it. You know, I'd rather never have something like this again. Do you have any nines or tens here? The nines or tens are, yeah, we don't like you very much. So uh, sorry about that. Uh, any? Do we have any ones or twos? It was just a miserable Horrible week, and, and, and if you like that, yeah, okay, there you go. Thank you for being honest about that. How about th- between like three and seven? Any of you, three and seven? Get your hands up, if you would please. Yes. Most of us live, I would think, life between three and seven, don't we? I mean, uh, somewhere. It's okay, it's pretty good. Yeah, life's, life's good there. Nah, it's not so good. It's about a six, or it, it's a, about a seven. And, and, and we, did, we did those fun Mother's Day cards. We found some other ones that are probably more realistic about Mother's and Mother's Day. About your week. Go ahead and hit the first one. I don't need a big fancy vacation. I'd be happy with a trip to the bathroom by myself. <laughs> All I want for Mother's Day is Ambien and a hotel room. How about that? And then I love you so much, my darling, but the second your father comes home, I'm going to bust out of here like I'm escaping Alcatraz. <laughs> Do any of you moms ever feel that way? And some of us, you know, if we translate it into our world and the way our world is going, we really understand that. Now, I would think, and I would just think kind of if I were calculating this from the outside, I would kind of think that the closer I get to God, the better my week would go. Wouldn't you think that? I mean, the closer you are to God, the closer you get to God, the better your week is going to be. You know, if I'm really, really, really close to God, then I'm going to make more traffic signals. That's just simply the way it's going to be. And if I'm far away from him, then I'm going to get flat tires and all those kinds of things. And so we, we kind of judge life that way. God, I'm closer right now. I'm doing good. I'm treating people. It's going to be, the, you know, the best day of my life. It's going to be really good and all those kinds of things. It doesn't work that way, does it? I wish it did, but it doesn't. We're in a series we're calling Keys to Spiritual Growth, and, and we give these little key tags away, you know, that, that kind of help you remind you of the things that, that, that we want to be talking about. And they kind of, of say how we're supposed to live it out because there are principles and keys to growing. And the first one we gave you was surrender. And that may be the hardest because you have to continually surrender your heart and your soul to Jesus Christ. Continually. It's not just a one-time thing you did up at camp a long time ago. It's not just something maybe you did in church or you only do Easter when you come here. It is something that you have to do every day. Jesus said every day, give your heart and your soul and your life to me. Every day, surrender your will. Second one was acceptance. We have to accept, just as Kendall saying, I am a sinner. I, I, I accept the fact that I am broken and I need God. 
And then last week we talked about confession, how you have to be real and open up about your sin so other people can come alongside you and encourage you and help you understand God's grace and forgiveness. That's part of it. If you want to grow spiritually, and most everyone I talk to does, these are the things that we have to go through. Well, this morning we're going to take a second and talk about ownership. If I want to grow spiritually, I have to own my part in my spiritual growth. I have to own it. Now, the, the, the life that God gives you and me is, is, is this wonderful thing of forgiveness, and that's free. It is given freely. You know, it's a free gift from God, this salvation thing. When we talk about a Savior, forgiveness in Jesus is free. That's the God's part in this. But how I work this thing out and how I live this out, there is a my part in this. Philippians says this, in the Bible it says this, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Well, again, what I want to say is salvation is the, is the, is the free part. In Christ, you are forgiven freely. It's done. That's the cool thing about it. He has worked something into me, but I need to take ownership to let it live through me. You follow that? I need to take ownership to let it grow in me. Now, you look at the verse, it says, well, with fear and trembling, you think, well, what am I supposed to, what does that mean, fear and trembling? I'm supposed to do this with fear and trembling. Whenever I see that, I think of my dog. Um, my dog is not particularly that, that smart, but he's smart enough to know that when he sees me with a towel and with a dog shampoo, a fate worse than death is bewaiting him, okay? And my dog, like many dogs around, hates bad. He's a water dog, too. You know, the thing that just blows my, my brain on this one. But anyway, as soon as he sees me, he knows life for him is over. And he's got these big doggy eyes, you know, that all of a sudden get real big. And he's got the ears that just go boom, you know, down. And his butt goes down on the ground. And you have to drag him. Honestly, you have to drag him in, in, into, into. And I think, I'm giving you a bath in the bathtub with warm water, for crying out loud. And I'm rubbing you all down. I wish somebody would do that for me, you know. <laughs> but it doesn't happen that way. You know, and he's shaking all over the place. And I think sometimes we think, oh, my gosh, this salvation thing, I've got fear and trembling in it. It's not that. The word fear and trembling in the language that the Bible wrote actually means with respect and awe and wonder. Meaning, I can't believe I can live for God in this world and I am awed in the fact that I can now grow in my faith. And I have... Wow, a responsibility to take my part in this. I know it's Mother's Day, so please forgive the football illustration, but I, I got to do it, okay? Um, for instance, we just got done with all the NFL draft, and it used to be not a big thing 10 years ago. Now they take three days on ESPN to do it, you know, for crying out, out loud. And, you know, you get this guy drafted in the it's 10th round or the 12th round. Let's suppose that there's somebody who's drafted first round as the quarterback, one of the key play, players in, in, on the team. That person drafted number one as the quarterback has that sense of what I would say respect and awe that they thought so much of me, they would choose me. And now I have a responsibility to do everything I can and to be everything I can for this position that I am now called to. And this is exactly what Paul is saying here with the, the sense of kind of a fear and kind of the sense of awe and the sense of respect on God has now placed me in this world, in this place, and I am unique on my, quote, team or unique in my world. God says, I'm choosing you. You're the guy. 
and I'm putting you in Half Moon Bay and in your house, in your neighborhood, in El Granada, in, in, your, in your high school or in your middle school. I represent Jesus Christ, and I am his person in my world. And God is saying, this is your time. I drafted you. The game's going to begin, so make sure you're ready to work this thing out. Now own it. In this broken world, own it. In this unfair world, work out this thing that God has put in you. The Bible says, put off your old self. Here it is in our new life. We put off our old self. That's like, take off the old clothes. Which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Put on the new self. Put on a whole new thing. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Take off the old self. Put on the new self. And there's a few ways and a few areas that I would say, let's just simply talk about those for the next couple minutes. First of all, I am responsible for for what I do with my feelings. I have to own my feelings. I have to then become controlling over my feelings. Now, when God made you, he made you an emotional critter. He did. You know, you got feelings, you got emotions, I got them, you got them. And some of you are more emotional than other people. Some of you wear them on your shirt sleeve, and everyone knows that some of you are more poker face. You know, you can keep them close together. Um, Mark Heath, he's guy usually does music up front, and I am really close friends. You know, I love the guy, and, and, and we spend a lot of time together. Um, he's, he's more emotional than I am. He just is. They come out more, more, more readily than I do. You know, he's able to share his feelings easier than I am. He's able to fully feel what's happening. I, on the other hand, am normal. Okay. <laughs> At least I think I am. But we all on the inside, whether we reveal them or not, we all... We all have feelings about things, about, about life, about situations, about things that come our way. We're all emotional people. And, and, and if you've been here for this series, we, we've been talking about how many of the spiritual problems we face and the, and the stupid things we do. Actually, we can trace them back into the book, the Bible book of Genesis, where it all started. Because God is saying, man, this is where it all kind of began. And it reveals us so well. And, and we remember the story, the situation with Cain and Abel. And, and, and maybe you know the story. They were the first kids from Adam and Eve. And, and there's a rivalry. Again, sin fell into this world, crashed into this world. And there's a rivalry between both of them. And Cain is jealous of his brother. Now, jealousy is an emotion. And it turns into hatred because that's what happens to it. Okay. Now, the best way to respond to hatred is always to remove the problem. That's what we do. Whenever you hate something or somebody, you try and remove the problem in some sort of way. You can, you can minimize them or you can separate yourself from them. But hatred actually, if gone unchecked, will try and eliminate or remove the problem. And, and so Cain's response is, I'm going to kill him. Hate him. Kill him. And he's kind of huffing and puffing. And God, God shows up here. And this is really interesting that God's interaction with, with Cain on this because it reveals the need we have to own the emotions at the moment when we have them. It says, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why are you looking down? Will not your face be happy if you do well? Do you see that? you see the ownership that's there? If you do not do well, here it comes. Sin is waiting to destroy you. Its desire is to rule over you. But you must what? Rule over it. I have to take ownership and responsibility 
for my feelings. You've maybe seen it in your kid, the look that your kid has when they're about ready to do something they should not do. Have you ever seen that? You know, we have one that he is more was emotional and wore his, I will not mention his name, but you could tell that whenever he was about to do something cataclysmic, okay, to his brother or his sister. And we would always say, for instance, his blocks got knocked down inerrantly by his brother. All of a sudden, we would see him looking around for the biggest, largest block that was available that would fit in his hand. And we would always say, ah, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. You know, I know what you're thinking here. Don't, don't do it. The Bible says this, be angry, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. See, anger is okay. Anger is fine. It's good, in fact, sometimes to be angry at the right things. Just don't blow apart your world in it. If I'm angry, I'll own it, but I will also own where it goes, and that's my part. Second is I have to own how I think. Now, our, our, our brains, you know, our brains are wild and weirdly complicated. You know, the reality is this is, and I think this is really cool, I, I can talk about 500 words a minute. That's kind of how I calculate how long to make the message go. Really, honestly, I do. I've got a number here. Word count is, is this. And, and, and I talk about 100 words a minute. Your brain can think about 550 words a minute. You realize that? You can, you can. And that's why your brain is spinning circles around what I'm saying. So that you can hear my sentence, and in fact, you can probably fill in the rest of my sentence because your brain is working so fast, and you can then think about what you have to buy at the grocery store this afternoon at the same time, and then you come right back into it. Don't nod so quickly, okay? But, <laughs> but we, we do that. You know, we, we do that. So our mind wanders, and, and, and we, can, we can come back, and we still keep on. So, so, so the Bible then tells us with these incredible brains we've got, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. With this marvelous thing I got, you know, trapped inside my cranium here, set my mind on the things above. Now, he's not talking about how you can't think about how, how you forgot to buy the bananas at the grocery store. You know, you have to always be thinking about what heaven is, looks like and, and the beauty of it. He's talking about how I view life. Set your mind on how you view life and think of it the way God would want you to think of it. How I see the world, for instance. Set your mind on things above. The world is not about me. I set my mind on that. It's about God. My thoughts about money. I'm supposed to set my mind and own how I think about money, stuff I've got. What's it for? Who will take care of me when I give more of it away than I feel like I responsibly should? My thoughts about people, people who are really annoying. I have to own my thoughts about people, and I have to now filter them through thinking about the things above, who that person is. Why God made them. Why God put them in my life. Jesus says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. You and I have to own that. I have to, I have to love my enemies. I have to own the fact that I have in this great brain that God has given me and you the capacity to be really frustrated with this person who's persecuting me, but to pray for their good. I have to have to respond to the, my, thing, my thoughts about my problems. The Bible says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. I have to own the joy in the midst of my problems. 
The joy is there for me as I take ownership of what goes on in my mind. I have to own the way I think about the day and my car and my kids and my problems, and that's why the Bible says, take every thought captive for Christ. Isn't that cool? Every thought. And I have to own that. And if I just simply sit here and say, okay, God, make me a spiritual person, and I don't take ownership of how I think and work through these kinds of things, it doesn't happen, and I get stuck. And this is the last one I move into is I have to own my spiritual growth. 80% of people who join a gym in January stop going after the second week in February. You know that? 80%. And you're saying, yeah, I know. I resemble that remark, you know, because maybe that's you in, in this whole thing. 80%, I was talking to the guy over at SNAP, the manager of it, and he says, oh, yeah, it's great. I love it. I love, I love January because our, our attendance, our membership goes up, but then it kind of just, we still get the money coming in in February. We just don't have the people. It's really nice because it's really uncrowded. And the reality is, we know this physically, it's really easy to have great intentions but to slow down. I mean, we, we know that. It happens to maybe you and to me physically. I have to own the spiritual life that God has given me. In fact, the Bible will oftentimes talk about it as a race that I run. And I have to continually focus on running this thing. Peter would put it this way. He says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. Here it is. You have to add this. You add to your faith, add goodness, add goodness. And, and to your goodness, you add knowledge. That means Study the Bible, look at it, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, add mutual affection, and to mutual affection, you add love. You see how they build on each other? Boom, 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 boom. But if I don't make the every effort, if I don't own the fact that I have to grow, then I'm going to say, gosh, you know, why can't I can't understand why God is so far away from me or so, so distant? I have to own my closeness with God. We, we call it relationship with God because it's the best word for it, relationship. There's an old saying that, that, that's used, and I like it, and, and sometimes I'll, I'll use it. If God seems far away from you, you know, who moved? Who moved? God doesn't move. God doesn't change. And I found in my own life, when God seems really far away from me, I've moved. I'm not doing those things to add to my faith, goodness, and goodness, knowledge. Old story every pastor tells, and since every pastor tells it, it's not true, um, but it's a good story anyway. Um, it's about a pastor who shows up to this old guy, who quit coming to his church. He just stopped coming, and, and the guy hasn't been to the church for a long time and feels close away or feels far away from God. And So he invites the pastor in, and, and they just sit there staring at the fireplace, and, and the pastor wants to make a point. You've probably heard this before. And so he reaches into the hottest place of the fireplace with the tongs and pulls out an ember that's just kind of cooking hot and flaming. And after a few moments, as he's removed this ember and kind of put it to the side on a hearth, the thing just goes out. And then he takes the ember and he just moves it closer to the fire. And all of a sudden it does what? You've done this before. It goes on. Closeness to God creates the fire. Guy got the point. You get far away from God and you, you flame out. You do. And so we say you should come here. You should come here often, not because we need to 
boost attendance records because we need more people to throw stuff in, in the bucket. We say this because your spiritual health happens when you connect with God in community, and this is a good place for it. You're exposed to God here and to the people of God, and your heart is changed as you are exposed to God. I own my growth. I own my growth. I read the Bible. Why? Because it feeds my heart. I read it sincerely. I, I, I want to know more about God and who he is. I don't read it to check off a little box that I've read the Bible today. That means nothing to God. It certainly means nothing to me. I read it because I want to know this God. I own my growth. And I pray, not long, formal, already set aside, pre-published prayers, because somebody else prayed those things. I talk to God about my day. I talk to God about my circumstances. I talk to God about my situation. You should too. When you're driving home, just a quick in your mind, God, how can I be a blessing to my mom today? That's all you have to do. God, I acknowledge you in this place. We need to grow into maturity. I have to own my growth. I have to, I have to own that. Well, am I I'm in this thing all by myself? Any of you water ski? Any of you water ski? Any of you like to water ski? Any of you really good at this? Um, yeah. Kind of, you're afraid to admit it if you are. I remember the first time I tried, and the emphasis is on the word tried, you know, because... Um, I'm not that coordinated, and I was in the water, and if you've ever done it, you know, you're sitting there in, the, in this lake, and, and the water's up to here, and the boat's far away, and, you, man, you're seeing everything, and you're afraid you're going to get run over by some other boat, and, and, and there's this big rope that's there, and you're supposed to hold on, and you got your skis up, you know, and, and the guy that was doing it, he says, I'm really good at teaching people how to do it, and so I said, well, what do I do? And he said, well, just pull yourself up. You know, it's like, well, that doesn't sound hard. You know, those of you that have done it, you know. And so all of a sudden, the, the, the boat took off, and I pulled myself up. And I'm holding the rope like this, and I'm kind of getting up, and I'm kind of wobbly. And then, I, and then they said, well, straighten your arms out. Now, those of you in physics understand this. You know, so I straightened my arms out. And as soon as I straightened my arms out, the, the rope went slack. And when the rope went slack, I kind of stalled right here. And then all of a sudden, the rope tightened up. And I went, when I lost my shorts, you know, come right out of me. I just jolted right out of my shorts. You know, let go of the rope, you know. So, so, so I did, and they said, no, 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 you, you can't do it this way. You've got to lean back more, you know. So the next time in the water, you know, it takes off, and I'm leaning back more. And I kept leaning back, and now water's coming all up my shorts, and I had to let go. And then they said, no, 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 you, 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 have, to, you have to lean more forward. And, of course, that doesn't work. And then you have to hold on longer, and then you have to let the boat do the work, and you have to crouch more, and then I have to stand up straight more. And it was a frustrating, exasperating day, and I'm hating life, and they're hating life, and, and they haul me in. I just say, who made this stupid sport? A- anyway, <laughs> now, now, once you get it, once you get it, and those of you that have water skied know, once you get the physics of it, and it all comes together, you just pop up like a cork. It is amazing when you just go whoop and you're and, and 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 you're up, and all of a sudden you realize you're you're in partnership with this massive thing in front of you that's pulling you all around the lake, you know. And you got this big old engine, and it's got all these horsepower and all this water displacement and BTUs going through, and you're flying through the water, you know? And there's this, it's, it's, it's a fun deal. And the Bible says this, and listen, I'm going to read the whole verse that we started out with. It says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, with awe and respect. Here it is, for it is God who works in you 
to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God has a purpose in your life for that. And once you just simply get a few of the simple stuff down of just popping up and standing up and leaning back and letting it all happen, there is this amazing partnership of God in you when you own it. And we're here to help you grasp the awesomeness of life that is there when you, when you come to God this way in this, in this way of Christ. And, and one thing about water skiing, if you're not holding the rope, you're not going anywhere. That's just simply a basic principle. And in our case, as we talk to you, the rope that attaches you to God the Father is, of course, Jesus Christ. Holding on to him, you are now connected to the source of all power. You're connected to God. And it connects you to God in a direct way. Not through a church are you connected to God. You can come here all you want. It's through Jesus Christ alone. And if you would like to be connected to God through Christ, it's believing that God loved you enough that he sent his son Jesus down to this earth. And he lived among us, and he saw that we are sinners. If it's not one thing, it's another. And our own goodness could never commend us to such a holy God. No matter how good we are, we never could make it to God because he's much holier than we could ever have imagined. So someone needs to pay the penalty for the stupid, sinful stuff we've done. And Jesus did. And that becomes my connection to God through my faith in Christ's death on the cross. And I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. And I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Maybe bow your head right now because we kind of like to finish these times with just a moment to make, help you make decisions. And I'm going to invite you maybe to close your eyes and maybe bow your head right now. And maybe for you right now, maybe you felt like you've walked away from God. Well, guess what? You turn around and he's a lot closer than you think. He wants you close to him. He does. He always has. That's why he sent Jesus Christ for you. And if you're here needing needing what we would call salvation, man, he's a savior and I'm a sinner. Maybe going against us so much of what you've thought about Jesus in the past. Maybe your prayer is, Jesus, okay, I'm opening my life to you. Understanding that you you were willing to pay a penalty for me. You took the wrath of God on yourself and died on the cross. So forgive me. Cleanse me. Help me. God, thank you for the work that you do through us, with us. God, we want to be adults in this and responsible and take ownership for our growth and As we do, we connect to you. We are connected to the most powerful force in the universe. Not for our own glory or power, but for yours. So thank you, Lord, for what you do for us and in us. In Christ's name.